In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Yeah, there's no amount of success at work or in your career that makes up for failure at home because when things are not right at home, things are not right. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I am here with my brother from another mother, producer of this show, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm upright, Jim. <laughs> I guess that's better than yesterday. I don't know what does what does that even mean to you? Actually, I'm I'm better than uh, the guy that we talked about last night. Yeah, all the cliches yeah. flying out last night in our meeting. So nobody knows what they're ta- you're talking about right now. Do you want to explain that? Oh, so that people we, actually who don't live in your brain know what you say. We had a guy last night sharing about some health issues, and uh, it was it's pretty bad. So Jim got to me and said, "How you doing, Dale?" And I'm like, "Better than him." So, so, so the context, the context is we're in a Bible study on heaven together. And that's where that happened last night. So thanks, yeah. Jim. Well, I just was like, you're telling the story and I'm going, I don't think nobody has a clue what he's talking about. So <laughs> anyway, Hey guys, Hey, why don't you head on over to our website, manarena.org, grab a copy of my book, Guts and Manhood, Four Irrefutable Attributes of Courage. And we put that book up online for you guys, uh, through, um, popular demand and we just want to bless the guys out there also guys uh continue to send us those reviews we love when those come in when you do we'll send you some swag and we'll highlight your review unless we get bombarded with them so we want to hear about your hero stories and so hey i gotta tell you dale i'm really excited today about our guest and here's why i'm excited because in the church a lot of times we cater to men but all we give them is the bible and we think that somehow that's going to attract these guys and we, we offer very uh, generic stuff for men. And what I appreciate about this guy is he's got a cool thing going on where he takes what guys love and he takes the mission that guys rally around because men, men rally around mission. And he pulls this together in this beautiful ministry that I'm really, really excited about. And what people don't know about our men in the arena is about 80% of the guys that listen to this show are guys who somehow are connected and love doing stuff in the outdoors. 
And so this guy, he is going to resonate with you. But before I bring him on the show, Dale, do you have a man word for me? I do. And my word is connector. And so I, I look at uh, as Connect men. or what? Connector. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Not connect. That would be like one of my hyphenated Connect words. or I'll kill you. <laughs> That's right. No, connector, uh, we, as men, I think it's a manly thing to be helping men connect with other men and also to help men connect with Christ. And I think when we're, we have a uh, heaven-centered brain and we're thinking about guys and helping them along, we should be looking at opportunities where we can connect dudes with other dudes and in that helping them connect with Jesus and ultimately changing their life and their families. And I, re- I do remember uh, being in a coffee shop one time with you and after one of our meetings, I saw a guy come into the coffee shop, and I was like, Jim's got to meet this guy. And I introduced you guys, and from there, a great relationship ensued, a uh, partner ministry. And uh, it's just, that's what we should be doing, looking for opportunities to connect people. Well, it's funny that you say that, because men don't naturally connect, but it's the thing they need the most. Right. I, I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 10 that says, uh, it's somewhere in verse 23, 24, 25, uh, let us consider how you may spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so that spurring is like a, it, it's painful. It doesn't feel good, but it's pushing that guy forward. It's calling that guy out. It reminds me of iron sharpening iron, which we're actually going to talk about a little bit later in this podcast. Before we bring Patrick on, do you have a hero story or a review for us today? I do. And this is, it says on the title there, better man on our, our iTunes uh, podcast account. Uh, and his name is Greenbacks. And it says, if you want to learn how to be a better man of God, a better husband and father, this is the podcast for you. Real life application from imperfect men. Is, is he saying we're imperfect? I guess. So. No, the other guys are. Oh, the other okay. guys. Yeah, okay. In, <laughs> from imperfect men who have figured out that godly submission isn't just for women. Thanks, fellas. So, hey, appreciate those reviews, guys. And I, I man, you got to change your name to Greenhead, not Greenbacks. So, anyway, <laughs> I want to think about mallards, not money. So, mallards are money. Hey, uh, so I want to bring our new friend on today, Patrick Tyndall. He is 46 years old. He's married to his beautiful wife of 22 years, Sharon. And again, guys, I've never seen Sharon, but I know she's beautiful because what did I tell you guys? The guys that love Jesus get all the good-looking ladies. It's (laughs) just the way it is. So he lives in Blythewood, South Carolina. He is the founder and executive director of Iron Man Outdoors, which is a men's ministry whose mission is to connect men to Christ and the outdoors. Dale, now I know that why your man were so vanilla. Okay, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Patrick and his army of volunteer pro staffers lead over 40 weekend hunting and fishing retreats for men each year. From humble beginnings in a Sunday school class, the ministry has grown to 14 states and offers life-changing weekends for men each year. Patrick, man, it's so good to have you on the show. How you doing, man? Thank you, Jim. I, man, this is awesome. You guys are fun to listen to just uh, going back and forth before we even get to any subject matter. Just watching you two is a hoot. Yeah, uh, we're, the Bicker- is, we're the Bickersons. Life is good here in South Carolina. I think we've made it through the long, rainy winter, and the sun is shining, and the turkeys will be gobbling soon, and uh, we're excited about that. Oh, man. We're actually planning a turkey hunt with my boys 
in, in Eastern Oregon, we go to, we, or we go to Eastern Oregon every year and we shoot rats, which are these little teeny squirrels. Hmm. And so we have a place we can also shoot turkey. So we're going to head over there in April. So, but we have the Miriams here. You guys have the Easterns, right? Or do you have that's the, right. what do you have over there? We Easterns? have Easterns, yeah. 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 Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's cool, man. Super excited to have you on the show. Hey, Patrick, can you just take a minute and tell our guys a little bit more about yourself, your hobbies, your personal story? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, um, am very average in a lot of ways, just like many of the guys who are listening. I was an average high school football player. I, uh, for many years, I, w- I worked for the federal government, so I made an average salary, if you will. I have four kids, uh, three boys and a girl. I might be slightly above average in that category, um, but I'm just a guy that, that loves the Lord, and I love to hunt and fish. I believe that is a God-given passion, and uh, so um, let me tell you a little bit about how this ministry started. Uh, in 2002, I was teaching a couple's Sunday school class in Columbia, South Carolina, at a Baptist church. And I began to look around the room and said, you know, we got a lot of women in this class, but we don't have a whole lot of men. And I began to think, well, maybe it's me. You know, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe they don't like my style of teaching, or maybe they are scared to death of a couple's Sunday school class, which is also a very real possibility. Uh, And so me and a couple of guys, we began to say, well, what what if we were to plan a weekend retreat and let's be intentional about who we invite on this retreat. Let's, let's be sure that so-and-so's husband can be there that weekend. Because I would ask these ladies in our Sunday school class, I would say, hey, where's, you know, where's so-and-so's husband? Well, you know, the, the bass are spawning. It's the springtime. He loves to fish. He's <laughs> on the lake. And then I, you know, come November, well, you know, the rut's here and he loves to hunt. And then the turkey season, well, it's turkey season. So I, we had the idea, why don't we just take our message to them where they want to be instead of trying to force them to come to us? Let's try to plan a weekend where we can we can connect with these guys. So we went to a world famous place in South Carolina called Santee Cooper, which is actually two lakes. A lot of uh, the world records for different species of fish have been caught at Santee. Uh, it's, a, it's just a really world class fishery. And so um, South Carolina at one time was like number two or three in the country in boat ownership per capita, which is kind of interesting. Whoa. A lot of the boat manufacturers are actually based out of South Carolina. So a lot of guys in my group owned boats, including myself. And, and so we got a bunch of boats together. We rented a lake house, had one guy that, man, he could, he could smoke any piece of meat that you put in front of him. He could make a, a red velvet cake on a charcoal grill. I mean, that's how good this guy was cooking. Wow. So we said, hey, you come and cook. Uh, you, you three guys bring your boats. We'll do this retreat. And uh, then after dinner each night, let's do something more spiritual than just saying the blessing before we eat. Let's, uh, let's not have a worship service. Uh, let's not, I don't want to sing anything. Let's, let's not have a Bible study. I don't want to get the Bible out and say turn to Romans chapter 8, even though I love Romans chapter 8. Uh, let's be intentional about how we communicate with these guys. Let's have a manhood discussion. And let's, let's get guys to share their stories. And let's throw out a key question and get guys to talk about it. So I, I came up with, a, okay, let's just ask one question to start it off. Hey, guys, tell me one good thing that you learned from your father. And tell me one not so good thing that you learned from your father. And we would go around the room 
And this thing, I mean, within 10 minutes, we had, you know, we had a guy almost at the point of tears talking about his father. Uh, we had other guys who had, who had alcoholic dads and they struggled with the same kinds of things in their home growing up. And we began to see as a group of men that this, this thing was going deep and it was going really well. And guys were opening up and sharing things that, they, that we had never discussed in our Sunday school class. And so we stumbled upon this idea uh, that atmosphere is key for men. And let me tell you what I mean by that. There is a store in South Carolina, and I'm sure you've got them in Oregon too, where when you pull into your parking spot, there are turkey tracks painted on the parking lot to lead you to the front door. This store is like a giant log cabin. That's, that's the design of the store, the architecture of the store. You walk in the store and there are thousands of rod tips on this wall over here. And there's hundreds of gun barrels on this wall over here. And you as a man, you immediately feel like I am at home. <laughs> and Bass Pro Shop sells atmosphere just as much as they sell yep. product. They've got a lot of money tied up in that atmosphere to make men feel comfortable where I can spend two hours in Bass Pro Shop and not my feet don't start hurting. But if you take me to the department store, to Macy's, I'm looking for a chair to sit down with my wife in about 15 minutes because it's not the atmosphere where I feel comfortable. So we discovered as a ministry that we need to put guys in the right atmosphere to talk to them about Christ. And we believe a hunting cabin a lake house, a fishing retreat, a weekend getaway where they can get away from the cell phone and their business. And in a lot of places we go don't have cell phone service and that's awesome. I hope it stays that way. Uh, but that's that's kind of the heart of the ministry and that's kind of, it has its origins there in, with my Sunday school class. Man, that is so cool. There's so much to that. I want to dive into it in a little bit, but I want to play around with you right now and I want to get you involved in what we call our rapid fire round. Uh, just to ask you a couple questions, I'm doing a this or that round for you because I'm a hunter. I'm an avid outdoorsman. I mean, it's kind of a creates an imbalance in my life sometime. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the last weekend of goose hunting here, and and I and yeah. I'm I've got some brand new decoys I want to try out. My wife's like, we got to get that carpet out. I'm like, uh, I got the boys want to go hunting. So <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm going to ask you a few questions, all right. and I want you to just uh, tell me what you think and why. All right? Okay, okay here we go. First, the first this or that is hunting or fishing? Uh, hunting. Um, I love to fish also, but there's something very cool. I don't have patterns, or I'm not very good at patterning fish, but I can pattern uh -huh. a big buck, and I can follow his rub line and figure out what area he's he's bedding in and what area he's feeding in. And I can run enough trail cameras to uh, to try to pinpoint where he's going to be. I'm not as good at that at fishing. I know there's guys that, that do that, and they have electronics, and they really can – figure out where the fish are, but I, I'm not there yet. All right. Okay. So I know the answer to this one. I'm going to ask it anyway, because you're out there in South Carolina, whitetail or mule deer? Uh, whitetail. Yeah. I've never hunted mule deer, actually. I would love to. What, oh, wow. Point, I'm waiting on an invitation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The hard part about hunting mule deer in the West is it's like, I just uh, put in for Utah. Utah's uh, uh, date that you can put in ends on March 4th. So is that what's today? That's today. So, yeah. Today. Yeah, so it ends today. I put in two days ago, and I have 10 points for elk. I have two points for general deer, and I have 16 
points for mule deer in Utah. I've been putting in for mule deer since 2002. So you get a Christmas and, and card so, every year from the Utah DNR thanking you for your donation, don't you? <laughs> I I do. And so, yeah, because every time I put in, it's 100 bucks, And so by the time I draw this hunt, I will have put in, you know, 100 bucks times, you know, 20. So, you know, that's a couple grand. You know, don't tell my wife. Anyway, so so mule deer hunting out here is just it's you just don't go do it like in, and you can kill one mule deer and you have to draw the tag to do it and you have 10 days to do it. Ooh. And so it's a lot different than uh, South Carolina where you can probably kill how many deer and the season's super long. Yeah, it's like three and a half months and you can kill, I think, five bucks now uh, with tags. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's too oh, many. Man. We, we killed way too many. We need to back that down so we get better deer. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Well, so that's so that's the problem in Oregon with mule deer is uh, it's just tough to get guys out here. So anyway, so here next one, bow or rifle? Um, you know, I loved I love both really. I mean, bow hunting is so cool because when you get the deer that close to you, uh, there's zero room for error. Uh, I, I uh -huh. love the I love the up close and personal part of bow hunting with the deer. Uh, you can't just see a deer. You got to have him. You can, in fact, you can't even just see him in range. You've got to have him in the right spot to be able to get a shot to sneak it through the mm -hmm. through the the brush and the you know the limbs and stuff. Uh, however, I will say this: after two or three months of bow hunting, when rifle season starts, you know, like Western Kentucky, uh, around about November twelfth, and we got these big old cut cornfields where we do retreats in Kentucky, it's pretty fun to take the rifle too. Oh, baby. So, okay, so I, you're a whitetail guy, so I think I know the answer to this one already, but here we go. Tree stand or spot and stock? Yeah, tree stand's all we do pretty much over here. I mean, it's this is thick okay. where we live in the southeast. I mean, we have a lot of trees. There's not, there's not really much spot and stock going on here. That's more of, you know, Kansas and Midwest and Western kind of hunting. So, yeah, tree stand definitely. Okay. Okay, so, so those are all just fun questions. I want to jump into your organization because – Iron Man Outdoors. <clears throat> I love the I love the name of your ministry. I'm assuming that comes from Proverbs 27:17. It does, yeah. It doesn't have anything you, to do uh, with triathlons. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jesus. Hey, uh, can you explain your understanding of Proverbs 27:17? <clears throat> yes, um, men, we are masters of camouflage. And during turkey season, which is going to start here soon in South Carolina, uh, you better have everything camoed up. You better have your, your gloves. You know, you better have your face covered. You better have your shotgun camoed up because those turkeys have incredible eyesight. And so we work really hard to get camoed up for that. We also, as men, we, I know how to act in front of my mother-in-law, and so do you. And I know how to act in front of the, the boss at the staff meeting on Monday morning. And I know how to act in front of the guys on Saturday at the hunting camp. And I know how to act in front of the pastor on Sunday morning at church. And what I'm really doing, guys, is I'm putting on different patterns of camo to blend in to my surroundings. Okay? Just like I do during turkey season or just like you do on a duck hunt where you're trying to cover everything up before, before they come into the decoys. We as men, we are masters of camo and, and you get, and I do it too. Okay. We all struggle with the same things and pretend that we don't. And we all wear camo over different parts of our lives. And so we get out of the car on Sunday morning and somebody says, well, how are you doing at church? Oh man, doing great, doing great. Guys come on our retreats 
and they look like they have stepped out of the Cabela's catalog. I mean, right, they're wearing, you know, $1,000 or more of Sitka camo. Uh, they're toting a $1,500 rifle, and, you know, they're, they're ready to go, and they look on the outside like they've got it all together. But on the inside, their marriage might be, a lot of marriages are struggling. Uh, their career is not fulfilling like they thought it was. Um, they're, they're wearing camo to try to blend into that particular surrounding. So here's what Proverbs 27, 17 means to me. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Somebody needs to see you without your camo on. Somebody, wow, that's, some that's one guy, at least one guy in your life needs to know what's really going on inside of Patrick's mind and in his heart. And so for me, um, that happens to, this is what it looks like for me. It doesn't have to look like this for you. It could be completely different. I have a, a buddy, uh, his name is Nathan. He's an accountability partner. Uh, let's see, my oldest son is 17. And I told Nathan uh, before he was born, Nathan was the first guy to know about it. So we've been doing this a little over 18 years. Every Wednesday morning, we just did it. Today's Thursday. We just did it yesterday morning. Uh, we meet. There's a little restaurant called Bojangles. It's a, it's a, if you're in the South, you know, you needed to go to Bojangles and try the Cajun Filet Biscuit. Okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not sponsored by Bojangles, but I'm telling Amen. you, it's good. And we sit over at 6 a.m. Uh, right now, they're not having uh, customers inside the restaurant, so we're actually meeting at, at Nathan's office. But I pick up the Bojangles Biscuits on my way to his office. And we ask each other hard questions and we know truly what's going on in each other's lives. And he sees me without my camo on. And uh, uh, as a Christian man, you're, you're walking and you're trying to be a godly father and you're trying to be a, a godly husband. You'll never be the kind of father and the kind of husband and the kind of man that you want to be until you get some accountability in your life. And until somebody, until you allow another guy to see you without your camo on. And there's something powerful that happens there. You know, when I tell Nathan some things I struggle with, and he knows exactly what they are, and he says, you know what, me too. I struggle with that too. And then all of a sudden, I'm not alone. Because, you know, the devil wants us to think that, that you're the only guy in church that struggles with that. But you're not. And the things that you keep in secret actually have more power over you. But man, sunshine's the best disinfectant, right? You get, you get it out in the open, you share it. I'm not saying you got to stand up in front of church on Sunday morning and share it in front of a thousand people. I'm saying you need to tell one guy, hey man, this is what I struggle with. Can you help keep me accountable in this area of my life? And to me, that's, uh, that is, you know, it's cliche that we say iron sharpens iron and you see that verse everywhere, but there's so much more to it. And there's so, that's, that's kind of what's fundamental to our ministry is, is accountability. Well, you know, it's what, I love about that verse is twofold. First thing is people always go, well, I mean, we're striking swords together. I go, no, that's not how iron sharpens iron. You have a blade and you have a steel or you have a graphite. You have something harder than that blade that sharpens that blade. And so sometimes you're being sharpened and other times you're the one sharpening. So it's a twofold process. And the other thing I love about that verse is the Hebrew word. There's a Hebrew word in that verse that nobody realizes is there because it's translated as countenance, or uh, other Bible translations will say another. But the, the Hebrew word is penne, P-E-N-E, -E, and it literally means face. 
So a literal translation of this would be, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another's face. And and when you see these guys come off uh, to your retreats and they've got their camo on, what you're saying to me is nobody sees their face. Mm. They're hidden. There's a veneer. There's a They're guarded. And so I need to see guys' face, and that comes through, other men spurring me and sharpening me, and 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 that's where it happens. So so here's a question, Patrick. So you and your accountability partner Nathan meet regularly. At what point do you realize, hey man, this is a, a thing that's not going away, and we need to take it to the next level? Have you ever had to go to that next level, whichever whatever that level is, telling the guy's wife, uh, going to a counselor, bringing another guy in? Have you ever had to do that? Oh yeah. <clears throat> we, we hold each other accountable in different areas. <clears throat> I used to be in the highway business for a long time. Uh, and so we are very fond of W beam guardrail on the side of the road, uh, because the guardrail is there to protect you from the hazard on the other side. It might be a cliff, might be a tree, might be a pond, but the guardrail is there to protect you and running into the guardrail is not fun. In South Carolina, if you hit one of our uh, median guardrails, we have these uh, cable guardrails down the center of the interstate. If you hit one of those, we actually send you a bill because we call it a user fee because you, uh, you that guardrail saved your life, but your insurance company's gonna pay to repair the guardrail. That's just a side note. But Nathan is my guardrail and he is there to protect me from the hazard. And so we, we often will say, hey man, you know, I'm gonna be such and such place. Would you give me a call Wednesday night at 10 o'clock? And he says, hey, man, how's, how's things going? And we check in each other. We shoot each other a quick text. Uh, we say, hey, we need to be reading our Bible and praying every day. Uh, another friend of mine, his name's Chuck. He and I are accountable to each other for scripture reading and, and praying every day. And so we have now read through the Bible multiple times. And I sadly to say, I'm 46 years old, and this just happened within the last five years. I started trying to read the Congratulations. started trying to read the whole Bible many times before, but until you get accountability and you get another guy doing it with you, that's when real change happens. And the same thing is true if I wanted to go to the gym and uh, work out and have big big guns like Jim's got, uh, I might be able to do it on my own, but I'm a whole lot more successful if I got a, another guy to meet me there. If you have a problem, yes. if you have a problem with alcohol and you go to AA the first thing they do is pair you up with a sponsor. So it's biblical that we are to this, you know, this Christianity thing is not a do-it-yourself sport. And we shop at Lowe's and we shop at Home Depot. We're men and we can watch a YouTube video and change the carburetor on our John Deere lawnmower. But Christianity is not a do-it-yourself sport. It is a team sport. You know, you said some couple things, Patrick, I want to highlight. Guys, the, those of you guys listening right now, stop and listen to me, what I'm saying to you. You have to build guardrails into your marriage and around your life. And what I'm going to do when we release the equipping blast that reviews our interview with Patrick, I'm going to include a link to our 10 marriage-saving guardrails, and I'm going to include another link to a sermon I preached on Proverbs 27, 17. So guys, we're going to access that to you in our equipping blast that goes out next week. So make sure you uh, are looking for that. So Patrick, that is so powerful to me. I, I appreciate what you're saying there because it really is legit. And 
And I, I got to go back a couple steps because as you were speaking, I had a weird redneck thought go through my head. And I still am not sure. You're doing 40 of these weekends with men a year. That's that's more than impressive. That's outstanding. That's that's superlative. So if I were to come on, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. If I were to come on one of these retreats, talk to me about the hunting fishing experience I'm going to have. How do you lay that out? Is it mostly turkeys and small game and fish, or do you ever do big game? Uh, yeah, it's mostly deer and hogs uh, with some fishing and oh, some wow. turkey hunting. We did a goose hunt in Illinois back in the end of January. That was a lot of fun. 17 inches of snow. I mean, it was like a blizzard while we were there, but it was really fun. Uh, duck hunt in Missouri. Uh, we do a lot of different things, but so let me back up a little bit. Uh, when I was in, when we were just in our Sunday school class and we started taking these trips, um, you've got to have land to be able to hunt on. And so in my mind, I thought, well, maybe we'll try to lease a little bit of property. And we, we didn't hardly have any money to speak of at all, uh, either me or the ministry at that point. And so I, um, I had one Christian landowner who was an older gentleman that owns a pharmacy in Somerton, South Carolina. And his name was Mr. Phillips. And I arranged through a mutual friend, I arranged a lunch meeting with Mr. Phillips. This was years ago. And I went to Mr. Phillips and, I, and we had already done this in my Sunday school class. And I said, Mr. Phillips, we have this ministry that is life-changing for guys. And we do these manhood discussions and these guys take off their camo. We just need a place to do it. And Mr. Phillips, I think, owned at that time about 2,000 acres. And I knew that we couldn't we couldn't lease 2,000 acres because we, we couldn't afford that. But I said, well, maybe we could lease 600 acres. So during the lunch, I, I poured my heart out to Mr. Phillips, and I'm telling him, hey, if you'll just lease me this property, we'll be able to do four, five, six retreats during the fall uh, because we have such a long deer season. And I said, we're going to connect men to Christ in the outdoors, and we're going to give God the credit for everything that happens on those weekends. And then there was a long, awkward pause. Mr. Phillips said, Patrick, I like what you're doing, but I don't lease out my land. Whoa. And I, I'm already in my mind thinking, well, if you know of anybody else, give me their phone number. You know, I'm already kind of checking out, right? And he says, he says, but you know, he said, I won't lease it to you, but I'll give it to you for a weekend. And man, light bulbs and fireworks went off in my head and God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That verse came to my mind. And I said, God, you know, we don't have to lease land. We just need to work with Christian landowners who would give us access to their property to be used for kingdom purposes, you know, one or two weekends a year, you know, whatever it may be. So next weekend, fast forward many, many years, next weekend I'll be taking uh, a group of about 10 guys to Camden, Alabama on a 1,000 acre piece of property, two miles of river frontage on the Alabama River, and they have got wild hogs running everywhere. And we're going to put out about five or six hundred pounds of corn, <clears throat> and hopefully we're going to we're going to have a great hog hunting retreat next weekend. And that's just a Christian couple, uh, not Mr. Phillips. This is a different Christian couple that uh, that has given us their property for the weekend. And so uh, we do a lot of deer hunts. Uh, we our website is getting ready to have uh, 25 on March the 15th. It's going to be about 25 deer hunting retreats that hit our website. And I'm talking some prime places, Western Kentucky. We have about 1,300 acres with seven different farms that we hunt. Uh, two years ago in 2019, a guy from Alabama came on a retreat of ours uh, in Western Kentucky. It was a bow hunt. On November the 1st, he shot a 203 inch 
white-tailed deer Holy that we called Brutus. Um, we called that deer Brutus, and we had three years of trail camera pictures. He uh, After the drying period, he scored 195, and I think he's the number seven all-time bow kill in the state of Kentucky or the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Wow. Uh, so we're pretty serious about our hunting as well, and, and the Lord has blessed it. Uh, we had a guy in uh, Cambridge, Ohio. We do retreats up there. Had a guy kill a 166-inch buck with a 10-inch drop time in Cambridge, Ohio oh. last year. Uh, right standing in a food plot that, that our volunteers planted. So, uh, so how we do 40 retreats a year is we have an awesome army of volunteers. And I call these guys pro staffers. And they are men who have been on a retreat. We've gotten a letter of reference from their pastor. We've gotten a, uh, a testimony of how they became a Christian and what God's doing in their life right now. And then our board votes votes to approve or not approve those guys. They come into the ministry, and they are incredible. They help drop guys off at stands. They help lead manhood discussions. They help cook the meals. They help do the dishes. They help clean the deer, clean the hogs. And, you know, there's just something exciting about uh, being able to use your passion for the outdoors in ministry. And sometimes churches, you know, we settle for just, you know, we got these men. What do we do with them? Well, we say, okay, could you, would you take up the offering? Okay, great, thanks. Well, how about singing? You want to sing in the choir? No, I don't really want to sing in the choir. How about children's ministry? You want to work in the nursery and change diapers? No, I think I'll check out. So we don't have a whole lot for men to do in a lot of churches. But when I get a hold of them and say, hey, you come and bring your Polaris Ranger and you come and help us on this particular weekend, on this retreat. Uh, and they get to go some pretty cool places too and, and do some pretty cool hunts as well. So it's been a blessing. So I want to go on one of your retreats. How much do I pay and how many other guys do I expect? It sounds like you have about 10 to 12 guys go. Yeah. What's the cost for this? And do you procure the tags? Is it landowner tags? Do I buy my own tag? I'm asking this because there are guys who are right now going, I'm in, I want to go do this. Yeah. So, so, so what's the, what, what's the cost? How do they get their tags? Right. Walk us through that. So you go to ironmanoutdoors.org and you click on the upcoming retreats. And like I said, there's, there's a few on there right now. There's a Texas hog hunt coming up in April. They've still got some open spots. There's a Florida fishing retreat, uh, redfish and speckled trout down on the Gulf that's coming up in April. But uh, very soon, March 15th, we will have about 20 to 25 deer hunts listed on our website. And so a guy can go there and he can click on the calendar and see what's coming up. The average prices, you know, it varies because our expenses vary from one retreat to the next. I mean, some yeah. sometimes we work with an outfitter and so it might be a little more expensive. Sometimes we have to pay 30 or $40 an acre for a lease. And we do have some of those in Ohio. And so those, those retreats, you know, we have to be able to pay for the, for the leases, but they range from about uh, the hog hunts are, you know, three, $400 a piece. Um, it's usually a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deal. Some of them are Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, the deer hunts are going to be like Thursday to Sunday, something like that. 500 to, I think we've got a, one of our Kentucky retreats this year, I think is the opening of rifle is going to be like $800 this year. Uh, just so does that can, include the tag? That does not include the tag. You have to buy your own license. And so we have a, a big 20, 20 page PDF retreat flyer for every retreat. And we show you, this is the kind of stands you're going to sit in. These are the kind of beds you're going to sleep in. This is the kind of food you're going to eat. Here's where you buy your tag. And the tag, you know, for Kentucky is uh, uh, 290, I think um, now. So we give them all that information. Well, and really, 
a non-hunter listening might be going, wow, that's a lot of money. But those of us who hunt know that to go out of state and hunt, for me to go to, like I said, I just put in for uh, Utah. For me to get a tag for Utah is going to be close to $400. For me to get out to Utah, transportation back and forth is going to be another probably $400, plus food, plus where I'm going to stay. It's a $1,500 to $2,000 trip all day long. And so what you're doing is you're saying, hey, guys, you're going to, do you want to hunt? You're going to do the hunt anyway. You buy the tag. You're going to buy the tag anyway. We're going to provide the experience. We're going to provide the scouting. We're going to provide the food plots. We're going to provide the stands. We're going to provide the fellowship. You just come out and kill something. So you're almost Christian. It's almost a Christian guide service. It is. And we, and we're, nobody's making a profit off of this. Um, I'm the only staff and I actually raise support just like a missionary. So none of my, oh, hey, I'm there too. None of my salary comes out of any of these retreats. So all we got to be able to do is pay for the the stands and the the cameras and the seed for the food plots and stores and stuff like that. So that's why we can charge. No, I'm trying. Yep, I'm I'm tracking with you. So so I go on this hunt and I'm doing the hunt and then it's a two or three night hunt. At night, do you have a guest speaker come in or do your pro staffers lead this manhood discussion? What's the ministry component? Yeah, so every night we have a manhood discussion, and these guys know that going into it, there's a detailed agenda on that retreat flyer, and it says, you know, if you shoot a buck at, you know, right before dark, and if we can't find it immediately, we're just going to back out because that's the best thing to do anyway. We're going to back out. We're going to yep. go back. We're going to eat our dinner. We're going to have our manhood discussion, and sometimes that manhood discussion, you know, sometimes it could be 45 minutes. Sometimes it could be two hours. It depends on how the discussion goes. But our, our pro staffers, our volunteers, we give them uh, material, which is really just key questions, right? We're, it's not a sermon. It's not a Bible study. There's not an outline. But we'll throw out a couple of key questions. Like the first night, we'll talk about being a godly father and what does that look like. And, and really, you're learning from other guys sharing their story. And our pro staffers just kind of dropping some, some spiritual truths into the discussion and then the next night, we might talk about being a, a godly husband and about loving our wives as Christ loved the church. And, uh, you know, the triangle, right, with God at the top of the triangle and you and your wife at the bottom of the triangle. And the closer you're getting to God, the closer you're coming to each other. Uh, and we'll ask guys to, you know, I'll actually text the guys in the tree stand and say, hey, this afternoon or this evening, we're going to talk about marriage. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your marriage? You know, and I'll have guys, they'll text their wives and say, honey, what is our marriage? And then some of them will say, well, you know, the man will say a seven or an eight and the wife will say a five or a six. And that leads to some really good discussion is that men, you know, when there's when there's an absence of conflict, we think everything's great. But you cannot put it on cruise control in your marriage. Your marriage is either getting better or it's getting worse, but it's not staying the same. And we have to be intentional about loving our wives and serving our wives and leading our families. And, you know, when's the last time you took your wife on a date? You know, those are the kind of things we throw out. And then the third night, the discussion on the third night is probably going to be revolving around things that guys struggle with. Uh, uh, it's not, it's not a million different things. It's literally like seven or eight different things that all of us guys struggle with and pretend that we don't. It's pride. It's lust. It might be alcohol. It might be gambling. Uh, different things that we struggle with, but, but the path is the same. You know, nobody knows what's going on in that part of our life. We're wearing really good camo. And so we encourage guys to get accountability and to come out in the open about their sin, to, uh, to put a name on it and, um, 
and deal with it and then have have another guy hold you accountable for it. Well, you know, it's really interesting. We have, you know, guys on the podcast every week. We do 50 interviews a year, and the guys mostly say similar things. If you want to become your best version, you need to take the camo off. You need to have another guy who has your back. You need to have a guy who will spur you on. You need to have a guy who is accountable to you. So your your mission is to connect guys to Christ and to the outdoors. So that word connection is not a word that guys are naturally associated with. Mm. Women are naturally associated with that word because guys don't do the thing they need the most. What have you found about how to naturally connect men? I mean, that's what you do. That's your sweet spot. That's your why. What can a man who is listening do to naturally connect himself to others so he can begin taking a camo off? It's easy. Take a trip together. Go on a retreat together. When you and I, you and I may go to church together for five years, and I may see you every Sunday morning and say, hey, Jim, how you doing? Oh, good. Yeah, good to see you. All right, take care. But I don't really know you, and I don't really know what's going on in your life. But when you come on a retreat, uh, and it doesn't have to be one of our retreats, you, you just go somewhere together for a weekend, a retreat accelerates the relationship process. And you've heard, suddenly you've heard all of my hunting and fishing stories. I've heard all of the, the mule deer that you've killed. And we, we've shared this bond. And then all of a sudden something happens and the, the conversation can move from hunting to spiritual. Hey, man, you got a second? Let me talk to you about, about marriage. Hey, me and my wife, man, we've been struggling with this. And this happens on the back of a tailgate of a pickup truck. It's not, it's not structured. It's, it's not like you signed up for a counseling session. But let's be honest, there's some counseling that takes place there where another man uh, begins to open up to you and say, hey, I I'm struggling in this area, man. Can you help me? And you say, well, hey, man, I don't have all the answers, but let me tell you what Scripture says about that. And let me, you know, here's some things that worked in my life. And that's an iron shot and iron. And suddenly we're connecting, but it didn't happen when I saw you for an hour on Sunday mornings. Well, you're, you brought up a really powerful point, Patrick. I want to speak to this. So I had a guy recently said, man, church should just be the place where we go deep and connect. And I'm so tired of guys in the foyer talking about hunting and fishing and not talking about stuff that matters. And I went, whoa, I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. That's about all you can expect from a guy on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Talk about the weather, talk about sports, talk about hunting, connecting with things that could potentially put them together in a connecting relational manner because the sweet spot of men is not going to be the conversations on Sunday. It's going to be what those lead to. And I got to tell you, I'm going to throw a shout out to a good friend of mine. I was in Alabama, kind of where you're going to do your hunting trip. We were in the uh, Prattville, Andalusia, yeah. uh, Montgomery area. Yeah. And I was there for five, four days. I did five different messages and I was there uh, hosted by a friend of mine, Jay Penton. And I, I went to he, Jay is one of our arena coaches. So shout out to Jay. I know you're listening, bro. I stayed at his house, got to know his beautiful wife. Again, Christian guys got all the pretty ladies, right? Uh, I got to know his, his beautiful daughter, uh, you know, uh, Delaney. What a sweetheart. And uh, just hung out with them, ate meals with them, drove around town. He chauffeured me to two hours to every speaking event. Uh, we shared our life together. And because of that weekend, that weekend, we are lifelong friends. Lifelong friends. We're already talking about bringing them out to Oregon. And that is what guys need. We need that hunting trip. Mm -hmm. We need that weekend retreat. We, so that's such a powerful thing. So what is there a recipe 
that you offer to men when they are on that weekend together? Do you say, hey, do these five things? Or do you think that when you get guys away from their natural environment, they naturally begin to connect? Yeah, you create the right atmosphere. That's the recipe. And it's got to be an atmosphere of, of one. And, and let's face it, we're not going to talk about pornography on the first night. Okay, we're just not. Yeah. <laughs> we may get there on the third night, but we're not going to open with that. But we create this atmosphere. And I tell my volunteers, we have we as the pro staffer has to be willing to take your camo off. If you want them to take their camo off, you've got to be willing to take your camo off. And it's so powerful, incredibly powerful. Let me say this to, to any pastors that might be listening to this. There's nothing more powerful than when a pastor comes with a group of his men from his church and he takes off his camo. Mm. And, and it, it doesn't happen often, right? Because, you know, pastors have to be careful about this kind of thing, right? But, but when they're willing to do it and when they're willing to be vulnerable and when they're willing to be human and, hey, guys, I'm a man just like you and I struggle with this too. That is when some true connections happen. And I guarantee you that group of men and their pastor, they go home a whole lot tighter than they were when they got there. Well, you know, you said something, Patrick, and I'm going to say I disagree with you, but I don't. But I just want these guys to tune in. So the part that I would say I may disagree with you is I really don't care if a pastor needs to be careful. I've been a pastor for 30 years, and I think that whole pastor needs to be careful thing is a is a bunch of uh, baloney that guys hide behind. Did you know, Patrick, that 70% of pastors in America have nobody to be accountable to? I believe it, yeah. 70%, and I think it's because they hide behind that. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, guys, and I agree with you, Patrick, they do hide behind that, but I would say, Pastor, if you're listening, that's no excuse. Mm -hmm. That just tells me that you're a coward. Mm -hmm. You are a gutless coward because you are afraid somebody will hold something against you. Mm -hmm. And so stop being a coward and I would say one other thing to pastors, because I love pastors. I'd say, you need to be the one putting these trips together. Mm. You need to be the guy doing that. So uh, he, Patrick's serving this thing up for you on a platter. You guys need to get this done. Us us West Coast guys on Mule Deer, you know, with our one buck we can draw every two years and have 10 days to hunt them, I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I was an East Coaster. I would be all over this thing. <laughs> so this is really powerful, man. So so you, you talk about creating an atmosphere, Patrick. Where does suffering fit into this atmosphere suffering pain suffering hardship difficulties because yeah. in a hunting situation you have to navigate those things yeah so a lot of times in our manhood discussions you know guys like we said they all look like they just stepped out of the cabela's catalog but on the inside they got so many <laughs> things going on you know there's guys who've been suicidal who came on our retreats there's guys who had just divorced their wife the day before the retreat, there's guys who lost their wife to breast cancer, uh, you know, oh, three man. months before they came on this hunt. So there's pain and suffering there. And it's going to come out in those manhood discussions. I mean, when you've been through, uh, when you've been through the fire, so to speak, uh, you're going to come out of that. Uh, hold on. Let me share one thing. Just bear with me one second. Let me grab one thing. All right. I want to show you talking about pain and suffering and, and talking about God putting us through the fire. I want to share this cross with you. Uh, a friend of ours, Derek Melton in Mississippi, he won season five on Forged in Fire, the TV show. He makes these crosses oh, wow. for us, okay? He has to heat the steel up to 1,100 degrees to be able to shake it. If he gets it too hot, if he gets to 1,150 degrees, he incinerates it. 
If, he, if it's 1,050 degrees, it's not hot enough to shape it. And he has to hammer on this thing pretty good. One time, there was about two months there, I couldn't get any crosses. And I said, Derek, hey, can you give me some more crosses? He's like, man, I can't because I got tendonitis in my elbow. <laughs> so he does a lot of hammering on these crosses to get them to look like this. And they look great. I don't know if you can see that really, but it is very, that's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. We give one of these to every guy who comes on our retreat. And part of one of the manhood discussions that we do is we say, what has, what fire have you been through in your life as a man? And how did God use it to shape you? into his image because all of us are going to have times in life when we get the heat turned up on us and god's not going to turn it up mm -hmm. so hot that it incinerates us but he's going to turn it up hopefully to shape us into his image and uh that cross is just a perfect representation and guys will share their stories about pain and suffering uh during that manhood discussion well you brought up a really cool point that goes back to the name of your organization right i mean i you know you 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 uh your Iron Man outdoors, you know, we talk about Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. We in our brains, we think of sharpening, we think of this uh, taking a blade against a stone or a, a steel or something. But really, when a guy forged a sword, part of the sharpening happened during the shaping. So he's pounding it and he's building the blade through hammering and creating this edge that only gets honed later on. And so I think you're absolutely right, man. I think. God sharpens men through pounding them mm -hmm. and through putting them through the fire. So, so how do you recognize Patrick? Like, what are the signs of a guy who really has worked hard to keep his camel on? What, what, what are the signs of that guy or that pastor you talked about? Who's unwilling to really take the camel off. What are the telltale signs? Pride. It, it's it's you can see pride you can smell pride you can hear pride in his voice uh when he, when all he wants to do is talk to you and, uh, and he doesn't want to share anything that's going on in his life that's bad he wants to tell you about well you know that well jim you killed 170 inch mule deer well let me tell you about the 180 inch mule deer that i killed you know when you see that kind of pride you know there's you know he's wearing really thick camo and his his heart might be hard towards the gospel and uh, those guys, you know what? We, we share the gospel on every retreat and we give guys an opportunity to make a decision of faith or, or to recommit their lives to Christ if they've already been a Christian for a while. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't happen on the retreat. I need to share one of the things with you that's been really cool about this. I had a guy, this is like 2008, uh, very early in our ministry. We became a ministry in 2007 when a guy came on a retreat and looked at me and said, Patrick, this could be way bigger than just your Sunday school class. And I thought, Oh, he's right. Uh, but in 2008, I got a picture from a guy a year after he had been on a retreat. And it was a saltwater fishing retreat off the coast of North Carolina. The wind was blowing so hard, we couldn't hardly get offshore to really catch anything. Uh, we had our manhood discussions, but to me, not, nothing really earth shattering happened that weekend, except it did for Brian. And Brian sends me this email a year after the retreat, and it's a picture of him being baptized and he's wearing his Iron Man Outdoors t-shirt. And I said, Brian, why did you wear your Iron Man Outdoors t-shirt to be baptized? He said, because it all started that weekend on that retreat. Wow. So now we've got, fast forward, we've got this whole, you know, I've got a whole file on my computer of different guys, pictures of them being baptized in their Iron Man Outdoors t-shirt. Uh, because it doesn't happen for everybody that weekend, but it's, it's a process. 
and we want to on the on the spectrum you know maybe we just move guys from point a to point b that weekend but god is is working in their life maybe they go back and they get invited to a small group bible study maybe they get plugged into a church when they get home you know we do some follow-up but we can't we can't be there for every single guy we're not a church and we're not we're not trying to be we're just trying to get guys for a weekend and wake them up spiritually uh, and we, and then let leave it to God, man. Yeah, that's really good, man. So you can see the pride on a man. How do you hear it in a man? When he wants to talk about himself and he's um, boastful, arrogant, uh, you can tell when you're around a guy like that. None of us really like being around guys like that because agreed. they're just not friendly to me and they're not the kind of guy that I want to hang out with. They don't ever show you their their struggles or their problems. They just want to tell you about their successes. Um, but that's a guy that's wearing camo. And, and you know what? We all are uh, and pretending that we don't. Yeah. What about the guy? No, I agree 100%. What about the guy who's physically there, but every question he deflects it like, oh, well, I remember that guy. Or, yeah, we need to. Or you guys need to. How do you break down the camouflage of deflection? Well, I don't know that I have an easy answer for that, but I'll tell you this. They're listening to every word that's been said during the weekend. Yeah. And we've had guys come on retreats and I was like, I'm trying to pull them to get them into the conversation. And they're sitting back there with their arms crossed and they're not speaking. And that's okay. I'm not trying to hit them over the head with anything. But I'll tell you this. A few years ago, I did a hog hunt here in South Carolina and we had a, we had a, uh, this one ended on a Sunday, so it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday hog hunt. And that Saturday night, we talked about marriage, and I really hit it hard on marriage. And I said, you know, this is what a godly marriage looks like. Because let's face it, if, if uh, by the way, 40% of our children right now are growing up in a home where dad is not present, and the divorce, the yep. divorce rate's like 60%. So there's a whole bunch of guys coming on retreats who did not have a mom and dad model, so they don't really know what a godly husband looks like. Okay, so we yeah. try to paint that picture for them. Well, Monday, I had a guy that sat there in the corner, didn't say anything all weekend long. Monday, I get a text message from this guy. And he says, Patrick, I just wanted to let you know, before I left to come on that retreat, that hog hunt, I had already called my brother and I'd already made arrangements. He said, me and my wife been fighting for a week. I had already called my brother and said, hey, I'm coming to your house on Sunday when I get done with this hog hunt. And he said, we were going to split, you know. He said, that manhood discussion that we had on, on Saturday evening convinced me to go home. He said, when I got home Sunday, he said, I don't know what happened, but my wife, you know, we had probably the best conversation, the best discussion we've ever had about our marriage. We opened up and we talked. He said, no, we don't have a perfect marriage and we're not where we need to be. He said, but I want you to know I went back home after that manhood discussion on marriage. So those guys are listening and we just need to be obedient to do what God's called us to do, which is to hold these, these retreats and have these manhood discussions, uh, whether or not they participate, you know, only God knows what's going on in their heart. And I absolutely love your ministry model. I mean, I was sitting there going, I wish I would have thought of this. This is outstanding. I didn't think of it either. So, God did. <laughs> yeah, but you're the, you're the instrument. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate that you're stepping out in faith and doing this because you went from a job doing road work mm -hmm to becoming essentially a missionary in America and raising your own support, which is what I do. And that's a scary, scary place to be. Yes. Speaking of fear, speaking of fear, Patrick, 
How do you see fear on the camouflage faces of the men you work with? Do you see fear as a barrier to remove their camo? No, I like to use fear. Um, <clears throat> one of the things we say in our manhood discussions is that we're all one or two bad decisions away from losing it. Yeah. You're only one or two bad decisions away from losing your marriage. You're only one or two bad decisions away from losing your job. You're only one or two bad decisions away from losing the respect of your children. There's too much at stake to put it on cruise control. This is why you need accountability because you know what? If we let sin go unchecked, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. If we let this thing go unchecked and it just keeps growing and growing, I'm telling you guys, you're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose the respect of your family. Uh, and there's too much at stake there. And we're only one or two decisions away from it. So we try to use fear to motivate guys to, hey, you need accountability. You need to be reading God's word. You need to be praying with your wife. You need to be taking your wife on a date every week or every, you know, how, so often. Um, I, that's how we use fear. Well, that's a very powerful statement, Patrick. And I want our guys to really listen to this. Guys, listen, man. Think about that area in your life where if you were found out or if you made one more decision that got caught, it would ruin you. We see this all the time. So, guys, we need to. That's why we need to have a guy to take the camo off our face. So when I think of a camo face uh, or camo, I'm a big fan of First Light Fusion. I just am in love with that camo pattern. So when I, th when I hear camo, I'm thinking of First Light Fusion, right? And so, so all of these camo patterns have multiple colors. So I'm trying to understand some of these colors these guys are wearing. They're wearing pride. They're wearing deflection. They're wearing bad decisions. Those are easy to see, right? Mm -hmm. What are some other paints that you're seeing that these guys are wearing to cover who they really are with these guys? They're wearing the camo of success. Um, oh. and they're, they're saying, that is so they're, good. They're wearing the camo of... I've got a 75, not me, but I'm saying these guys show up with a $75,000 GMC Denali. And the way that they measure up as a man is their checkbook. And they say, oh, yep. yeah, well, my company, you know, that I started, you know, it did $5 million last year. And we're on track to doing $7 million next year. And you know what? There's no amount of success at work that makes up for failure at home. Being the kind of man. Oh, wait, say that again. Hold on. Hold on. Say that again. Yeah, there's no amount of success at work or in your career that makes up for failure at home because when things are not right at home, things are not right. And it's going to affect that career. Uh, but yeah, there's there's tons of guys that, that uh, wear the camo of success. And it's dangerous. Man, that's power. Well, you know what, Patrick? I have learned after working in ministry for 30 years, if anything success is a variable that makes me lead they are heading towards destruction because I have not seen success help a man, uh, especially money. It really creates another variable in his life that uh, can destroy him if he doesn't really get it together and have people in his life and a very strong woman who will strip that pain away and say, listen, buddy, no. So powerful, man. Hey, well, Patrick, I, I knew this was going to happen to me. 
Uh, I, I'm so intrigued and inspired by your ministry. We are out of time. <laughs> so, so man, hey, how do our we're over here on the West Coast? So I'm sure you would love to expand to the West Coast. Yes. And I know that guys uh, with uh, with geese and there are different landowners out here that would probably love to have a, a ministry like you out to hunt certain species. Yes. But how how do we how do these guys maybe they're landowners in the Western Oregon area or Western West Coast states or or maybe they're a guy in the West who wants to go back east and shoot a white tail or an eastern turkey. How do these guys get a hold of you, man? Yeah, so the model works, and we know it works. We've only done it really in the Southeast and maybe a little bit in the Midwest, but we'd love to partner up with some guys in, out on the West Coast because we know guys need that, that they would benefit from this ministry as well. Uh, you can look us up at ironmanoutdoors.org. My email address is real simple, patrick at ironmanoutdoors.org. I'd love to have a conversation with you about partnering together. Uh, and this, by the way, this is not about Patrick. It's not about my volunteers, our pro staffers. It, this is God's ministry, and we're just trying to be obedient to walk through the doors that he opens. No, I appreciate your heart behind that, man, because we can do all that we can and toot our own horn. But at the end of the day, man, we got to give God the glory. Mm -hmm. He's put you on a platform, and I believe he's going to continue to uh, use your platform and expand your platform as long as you continue to point people uh, to him. So I appreciate you doing that, man. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, uh, let's get our boots on the ground here. What are you going to do today? because of what you heard on this this interview. And I uh, want to throw something out to you. It's not public yet. Uh, we're going to release this in August, but I need some guys to go over to BVOAM, BVOAM. It's an acrostic for best version of a man. BVOAM.com. I want you to take an assessment we have that will measure where you are as a man and help you determine where you need to take the face paint off. So go ahead on over there, take that, give us your feedback. And guys, I want to point you to this. If you're an outdoors guy, which I know 80% of you guys are, need you to head on over to um, this ministry and uh, get plugged in with what Patrick's doing. It's a great thing. So Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, guys. It was an honor. Oh, man, it was an honor to have you. Dale, why don't you take us home, brother? Man, head on over to meninarena.org and pick up your free copy of Jim's book and leave us a review. You can do that one of two ways, through your podcast app, or you can just email us at info at minintherena.org. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.